don't let your dream go to the graveyard. Become a graveyard robber starting today. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Joining us, we have a nice little panel today. I'm pretty excited. Some guest co-hosts back in the house. First up, we've got Joel Bodges from RelaunchShow.com. Hey, Joel. Hey, hey, Jared. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be a blast. Kingsley Grant, wow. What a choice of a guest. Can't wait to talk to him. Hey, no no kidding. And, and we're thrilled to have you here, Joel. And of course, we're also joined by my good friend and yours, Catalyst John from CatalystJohn.com. Hey, Catalyst John. Hey, Jared and Kingsley and Joel. <laughs> How cool is this? I feel like we, we've got like a nice thing going already. So let's just go ahead and keep a nice thing going. We're going to introduce Kingsley Grant. Kingsley is changing the world one dream at a time. He's a speaker and mindset coach. He's the author of, of a couple books. Uh, one of them is Three Steps to a Happier Living That Lasts More Than a Day. And his second book, The Midlifepreneur, Making Your Dream Come True Without Risking Everything. He is the host of the popular Midlife Launch online radio show. Kingsley's podcast was recently featured in the Huffington Post as a top five podcast for anyone who is 40 and older, unhappy at work, and need to jumpstart their inspiration. Kingsley helps midlife professionals leverage their expertise and experiences to create the life that they want. He also teaches interpersonal communication at the university level. So you can learn more about Kingsley by checking out kingsleygrant.com. Kingsley, this interview is long overdue. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. It's a pleasure, a privilege, and it's an awesome opportunity to Hook up with you, Jared and Joel and Catalyst John. Awesome. Well, let's not mess around. Let's just go ahead and I'm going to ask Joel to, to kick us off and go ahead and ask that first question. Yeah, yeah delighted to do it. Hey, Kingsley, Joel Bogus here. Hey, congratulations, by the way, on your success and on that mention in the uh, Huffington Post blog. That is a, a, a great accomplishment. And uh, just jumping right into it, Kingsley, you are a, a world traveler. And recently you spent some time in Israel. And I've never been there personally, but I've heard so many stories about Israel. Would you tell us uh, just a little bit about your trip and your experience there? Sure. You know, Israel for me was one of those dream things. My wife and I have said, we would love to go to Israel one day. And that one day came last year. It was an incredible experience to just go there, walk the streets of things I've only read off and heard of historically. And to be there in that place was incredible to people. They just a mixture of the cultural mix. It's amazing to see everything in one place. I really thoroughly enjoy it and looking forward to going back again. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, Mr. Kingsley, what yes, are the best ways to avoid a midlife crisis? Well, can I start with this by just saying, I think the word midlife crisis or the phrase is, is a myth in my position because really it was coined to kind of somehow explain what people were going through at that stage of life. And I find that if I can start with that premise that, you know, I'm experiencing just a change or a transition and really have come to an opportunity, then I'm able then to move my mind forward and say, what can I do? The moment I accept the premise that I'm going through a crisis, I'm going to find things that explains and confirms that for me and I'll behave in like manner. So the best way to avoid it is to redefine what it is you're experiencing away from the whole crisis mentality. So Kingsley, I was fortunate to hear you do a keynote presentation this last year, and you talked about being a grave robber. This really resonated with me. Would you be willing to explain what that means? Sure. Thanks for asking that question, Jerry, because what happened is 
the graveyard is one of the most wealthiest places on earth. And why? Because there are so many dreams in that graveyard. It's books that were not written. It's songs that were never sung. It's business that were never started. And so the graveyard has robbed people of all those things. And not because it's robbed them, they've almost given the graveyard that riches. Why? Because of a dream that they had in their heart. And for some reason, they did not accomplish or pursue or identify that dream and then be able to kind of um, implement that in their lives. And so the regrets of that entered you. And I'll give my example, my mom. She was a school teacher all her life, and her adult life, Jared and Joel and Catalyst John. And what happened was she wanted to be a nurse and she was a great teacher. And not because I see my mom, but everyone who she taught have said the very same thing. But my mom, towards her deathbed, said, you know, the question was asked to her. My sister asked her this question. Mom, if you could do anything else, what would that be? My mom said, I wanted to be a nurse. The nurse, that graveyard became richer because a nurse died and never practiced nursing. What if she had tapped into that? And I believe she'd have been an incredible nurse. So my whole passion is to say, what if we band together and not allow our riches to make the graveyard any richer? What would that look like for us to live our dream that would deny the graveyard any more riches? Great answer, Kingsley. Uh, Joel Bogus here again. Let me ask you, the, uh, you recently had one of your articles published in the Goodman Project. And the title of the article is The One Phrase Every Man Should Learn to Say. Can you tell us a little bit about that article and what compelled you to write it? Thank you for asking that question, because the one phrase is, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Most men do not like to admit that they're wrong. My dad, growing up with my dad, I believe my dad was a god, so to speak. He never, ever did anything wrong, right? right? So he never admitted to doing anything wrong. And so it was very hard for me to even say, I'm sorry, or I apologize. I can say, I'm sorry, but I was wrong, please forgive me. It was kind of hard. Because my dad never modeled that. And I find that one day my son, I shouted at him. I'll never forget that. He was about 11 or 12 years old. And I shouted at my son. And I knew I crushed his spirit at that moment. I saw it. I felt it. I'm saying, oh, what did I do? And it took me some time to get to the place to say to my son, son, I was wrong. I'm so sorry. I did To shout at you, I was so out of place. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? It's as if to do that, Joel, in a question you ask, was one of the hardest things I've ever done, I believe, because I had to humble myself and then say to my, my son, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But that set me free to practice that and model for them what it's like to say, you know what, there are times we don't get it right. And so that's the one phrase I believe every man should practice and have it on the already tip on their tongue to use because it's helpful, it opens relationship, and it liberates. Hey, Kings, I got a follow-up question to that real quick. This is Jared. What's the balance, in your opinion, on being willing to say you're sorry and recognize that you might have done something wrong to someone else, but also not allowing that person to take advantage of you, if that makes sense. If, if you responded poorly to them, but then you know, you're know you sorry that you didn't respond the right way, but then they're someone that uh, 
you know, you think might be trying to manipulate you or use you to your advantage. You see all kinds of scenarios in counseling and uh, in entrepreneurship. I was just wondering if you had an opinion on that. It runs at risk, generate. It runs at risk of that happening. However, it's more for me. You see, I'm letting myself free. That is not something that's riding me. I know my guilt, my conscience is saying, Kingsley, you know, you were wrong. I mean, you know, you messed up on this one, right? You know, you did. And we know that. Innately, we know that. So it runs the risk of someone taking advantage, but I can't look at that, the outcome of that risk to define what I do. I am doing it because I know I want to set myself free. I want to be liberated so I can move on with my life and not be anchored by that behavior that I know I did I did wrong in. Love that answer, Kingsley. Thank you. Now we want to know about the score big concept. What advice do you offer for anyone who has the desire to have a bigger influence globally? Thanks for asking that great question there, Catalyst John, because I believe that we all in life have been given a given something that we've been called to do, to score big in life. And I find that if these five habits, they're transformational in the sense that if I want to have a bigger influence globally, and globally could be in my hometown, in my state, in my country, in my, you know, worldwide, whatever you want to see it as. But to be able to accomplish that, something must happen. And I use the SCORE as an acronym. I must have the right story because my story can either hold me back or move me forward. So most times the story we tell ourselves is what keeps us in a place where we never move and get things done. So if I can tell the right story and let the story work for me instead of against me, now I'm in the right position to go to my next step, which is a C, which is collaborating. I must then collaborate. For example, what we're doing here is collaborative. So I'm joining with a Joel and a Jared and a Catalyst John who is on the same page with me. Now I have the right story. I have the right people in place. I'm collaborating. And once I've got that done, I'm looking, what's working? What's really working here? What am I doing that's making sense? Do more of that, which is, a, oh, I'm optimizing that so I'm getting more leverage and more mileage on what it is I've just discovered. Then the R is reconciliation because at some point in our journey as an entrepreneur, we're going to mess up. We're going to hurt someone or we're going to hurt ourselves. I must be able to reconcile with those individuals and self to be able to continue on my journey because we just talk about the very same thing about the phrase, I was wrong, I'm sorry, please forgive me. That's reconciliation. So I reconcile with others and self and understand making a mistake is not fatal. It's staying with a mistake that's fatal. So I reconcile with self and others. And then the E is elimination. What do I need to eliminate now that I've recognized that what's not working? And it could be some relationships. It could be a behavior. It could be an environment that's not conducive to my new story. So if I score that way, I have bigger influence globally. And the, the big doesn't have a No, because it's an acronym. It, 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 it just say if I'm have a bigger BID, bigger influence globally, I must score right. I must have the best habits in place. No, that, that's good. And I'm just curious about pivoting and stuff because sometimes you try stuff and, and maybe you have a little bit of um, momentum there in the beginning, but then you know something's just not working anymore. So how do you use the score concept to you know to understand okay, this is the direction I'm going, but maybe there's a, a time that I need to shift. Great question, Jared. And why I'm saying it because this S in the score is storification. So I must be able to retell a story because, again, pivoting is really about a story. What is happening? What am I telling myself? If I'm telling myself the wrong story, 
I won't pivot. I'm seeing it as a an end. I was no good. You know, I'm a failure and all those negative talks. So I must revisit the story. And that's why this is also, it's not a one-time thing. I got to go back and examine the story I've told myself. So for example, my podcast, this is my fourth podcast round. My first podcast, I had a story there. It's my baby, right? How do I let that go to start a second podcast? Well, well mm. I had to work through and tell myself, Kingsley, okay, what's the worst that can happen here? Number one. Number two, are you being authentic to yourself in that first podcast? The answer was no. So I had to, it's a hard call, but I had to look myself in the mirror and say, Kingsley, you've got to then find a way to pivot. What story could you tell yourself now? And I said to myself, Kingsley, you're not being authentic, are you? No, I'm not. Well, do you want to be authentic? Yes. So with that new story, I sought out people like yourself and the Joels and the Catalyst Johns and said, well, help me here with this new story. Got more information? Make a pivot. And that's the cycle that we go through in any era of pivoting. We've got to re-examine the story that keeps us stuck and find a new story that moves us forward. Hey, Kingsley, if it's all right, I'm going to ask a question for the group here. So I'm going, to, I'm going to start with you, Kingsley, and then I'd love to hear from Joel and then from Catalyst John. All of you can just take a moment and answer this question. Uh, we'll start with you, Kingsley. What do you say to the person who's struggling to identify their purpose and passion? You know, it's a great question because I, I believe that I found a way to help a person identify that. Because I'm thinking that your purpose is a thing that you do where, hey, you could be working on something and you don't want to give it up. Because you, you can spend hours and hours and hours and they, the time goes by, you don't even eat. You begin to tap into what your purpose is and then to listen to the voices of others outside. What are they saying about you that you do well? And you put those together, you begin to identify the purpose you have. And many times when you put that, when you combine those, you're on the right track to discovering your purpose. Mm-hmm. Love that answer, Kingsley. Thanks for thinking about that. I was talking with Sean Acor yesterday, uh, was interviewing him uh, for my podcast, and I asked him about purpose. And Sean said, in classic Sean style, he said, you know what? I don't know exactly what that is yet, but I'm working on it. And wow, what a liberating and empowering answer that he gave. And he you know, gave uh, his uh, best answer that he could to the listener question that I asked him. And I took a minute and I really thanked him for being transparent about that. And what he laid out, really, Sean, is that your purpose, it's an evolving process. It's an, it unfolds as you go through life. And frankly, Jared Kingsley, Catalyst John, I don't know if we are ever 100% sure of what our purpose is, but we have hints. We have clues. Yeah. We, we have some ideas of what it involves. And if we take action on what we know, well, Dr. Pace says it this way. A, B, C. She says, action brings clarity. And, you know, I've, I've seen that in my personal life. Kingsley, I know you've seen that in the lives of yourself and in the clients that you've worked with. And I, I think it's an evolving process and, and the purpose grows as we grow. So I love talking about purpose. I mean, it's one of my things that really excites me. And I think that one of the reasons we have so much struggle in our society today is because people are fighting their purpose and you know, it's like a natural spring or an artesian well. And I think that inside of our core, there's always something there that's bubbling up. But for some reason, we're taught as we grow up to fight that. And instead, we just need to give into it and say, no, this is who I really am and flesh it out and try to develop it. And I think that a lot of people, I mean, it's, it's life changing when we can find our purpose and say, no, this is what it is, because it gives us permission to say no to so many things and permission to say yes to so many things. And 
permission to keep trying. Sometimes our road is a lot harder than others, but for me, the biggest thing is inside of you, something's welling up. And the biggest way to find your purpose is to quit telling it to shut up, to go, okay. That's great advice. Can I add something there, if I, if I may, please? Please. You, you know, I, I think that, you know, if a person asked me, I was asked this question recently about Kingsley, what's your purpose? And, you know, Simon Sinek's book about, you know, he's talk about, you know, you're start with your why. Mm-hmm. Basically, what's your purpose? Why is it that you do the things you do? That's your purpose, right? My purpose in life, I can tell a person right away what's my purpose. My purpose is, number one, is transcendent. It has to transcend me. So it's bigger than me. So my purpose as a hope dispenser, I'm a hope dispenser. I dispense hope. That's my purpose. Everything I do has to drive that in my talks, in my workshops, in my podcasts, in my writing. How am I dispensing hope? So I'm a hope giver. So everything I do has to revolve around that. That's my purpose in life. It's transcendent. It never stops. It never ends. It's not a goal that you reach and somehow you, you sit back and say, I've reached my goal. So I purpose, I believe, how to be transcendent. Mm. It's got to be beyond you. And it has to be in a way, it's very clear, like you said, Daryl, about what Dr. Pace says. It's very clear. So for me, as a hope dispenser, is to give hope. That's my purpose in life. Well, you, each of you embody that phrase from Dr. Pay, the, the action, you know, creating, what was it, Joel? Action. ABC, baby. Action brings clarity. <laughs> action brings clarity. I mean, seriously, but all three of you guys are embodying that. And I love that uh, comment from Dr. Pay. So you can let her know I uh, said that. I will, I will absolutely do that. I've got a question. Can I jump in here, Jared? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, fantastic. Hey, Kingsley, uh, Joel again. This show, it's called Starve the Doubts. And you know all about that starving the doubts. But, uh, the listeners may not know a lot about your personal story and some of the setbacks that you've had to overcome in your own life. Would you share maybe one or two with us? Sure. You know, I had a doubt about whether or not I could really tell my story and see my story being used in a manner to help people. For example, I went through a molestation as a teenager and I doubt whether or not anyone would believe me. And that's why for 20 years, I told nobody. I kept it to myself and God. Because I felt that if I told my parents or people at the time, they may not believe me. So I had to, in a sense, as Jared so rightly said, I had to starve the doubt. I mean, of course, it's 20 years later, but I had to realize at Kingsley, you may find some people who believe you. What if you try that? And so it's a long story short. I've did that. I've written about it. I spoke about that. I help people with trauma in that area. So I had to starve that doubt. My second place, you know, in 2008, after I resigned from my job of 21 years, six months later, I was undergoing a knife, open heart surgery, Ooh. quadruple bypass surgery. And I'm thinking to doubt myself whether or not I will have a, the capacity to come back and do what I'm doing, you know, physically wise and otherwise. And I had to starve that doubt and say, no, I have a purpose and this is not going to stop it from happening. So I, in a sense, you know, as the, the phrase capsulate, capture so well, I had to starve all the inner talks and the physical anxieties about all that I was going through. So about those two trauma for me, I had to push back in some regards. And to me, I see it as starving the doubts. I doubted myself whether or not I had what it take to recover and start over again or to move past these issues that could be anchors and hindrances to my, my journey. Man, Kingsley journey really is just so amazing. And 
the other thing about you is how your personality. I mean, I remember the first time we got on the phone together and I was driving my car and I had to stop and I ended up parking in, in a parking lot for like 30 minutes so that I could talk to this amazing guy, Kingsley. And so I know so well that you know interpersonal communication. And I believe Jared mentioned it at the very beginning of this podcast, how you teach this interpersonal communication. What are your thoughts on the soft skills in effective communication, Kingsley? Great question. I believe in every relationship, whether it's business, whether you're partners, husband and wife, children and parents, you know, any relationship that's going to be successful. And the soft skill idea is to be able to listen, to listen to what is being said. And I find sometimes when I am when I use the a skill of self-disclosure, for example. So, for example, if I'm talking to you, Catalyst John, and I was, I remember vividly that conversation we had. But when I share with you and I just share about my story, I've just self-disclosed something about me that may resonate with someone out there. What I've just done is opening up almost like a an open a door, so to speak, to connect with them. So I began the process of having interpersonal communication. Because see, we have what's called, you know, intrapersonal, which is like me speaking to myself, right? I have impersonal, which is like me having a, a conversation with that person at the cashier or the checkout area. So it's impersonal. But if I'm going to connect on a deeper level and have interpersonal, I've got to have some level of self-disclosure and willing to be vulnerable about my story to some degree. Not everything at once. It's a gradual process. The second part is also empathy, meaning I have to learn how to empathize and Listen with my ears to say, what is this person feeling? What's happening? What's the, what's the pain? So I empathize with that. And many times when those two things are not happening, you're not going to have relationships that are successful, whether it's you know husband and wife or parent and children or in a business setting. Most times it's sabotage because those two things are not happening. And the last thing is effective listening, willing to say, be other oriented. What is it that you might be trying to tell me? And so I'm not quick to jump to giving you my opinion. I want to ask questions. I want to be able to say, so John, you know, what I'm hearing is this. I want to be very, very careful because I'm being other-centered. I find that when we're doing those things in interpersonal communication, we have a better chance of being successful in in any area that's um, manifesting itself. John mentioned how he remembers his first time and his first encounter with you, Kingsley. I vividly remember mine. You were doing a workshop at a, a Toastmasters event, and it was at, I believe, like the Office Depot yes, headquarters. I remember. And, <laughs> you know, it's amazing. That was a few years ago. And, and to see the transformation in your life, how you've embodied these principles that you've talked about on this show, and how you've used that to just very wisely, step by step, make you know, smart moves, smart decisions, connect generously, treat people well apply the interpersonal communication skills you just described. And now you're in a position, I think, of, of great authority where you're having uh, starting to see some really exciting success from all that hard work. As a friend, uh, as someone you know who's, who's kind of seen that part of your journey, man, I just want to tell you, I, I thank you for doing it the right way and for setting the example for Joel and Catalyst John and, and the people that are listening to this. Thank you, Derek. You know, I, I, must, you know, I have to say many times, of course, thank you because, I mean, people don't Remember, I remember this time, Derek, you and I would meet for breakfast time and time again. And we'd, on, <laughs> on a napkin, we would draw up plans. And even before even podcast movement, we would bring some yep. ideas. Even before the whole podcast thing became, you know, what it was. I remember those years that, you know, so we have gone back a long time. But as you said, we connected at the seminar. So is the C part of scoring big is what happened there. I collaborated with people like you, Derek, and the, 
and Joel, because I listened to his podcast, Catalyst John at Podcast Movement, and that conversation we had one-on-one on the phone, those are the things that drives me and creates that energy. Is that the whole rising tide idea? You guys became that. And, you know, so I owe, I owe, and I want to say publicly here, I owe where I'm at today to the inputs and the time that I've received from you guys in different ways. So I want to say thank you so much for that because you guys are really part of this whole process. Well, I I think it's just getting started for you, Kingsley, and it's an honor as your friend to to kind of see the good things starting to come. And again, congratulations. So as we start to wrap up, okay, the answer to this question cannot be Joel Bodges. I know that'll be the temptation, but (laughs) who who is doing something that interests you? Wow. Say Jared Eastley. Say Jared (laughs) Eastley. Okay. I mean, Jared knows already. I mean, he knows behind the scene. He and I talk and he knows that he's a big hero of mine. And Joel, of course, you and I have, you know, connected in different ways because your articles also mentioned your podcast in the Huffington Post. And then we have something very common listening to you, you know. And so as far as someone who's doing something, I want to say Dan Miller. And the reason why I use Dan Miller, because we've become pretty good friends through, you know, I've been a part of his coaching and so on, like Catalyst John have. But I think we have kind of um, interacted at a different level at different times, whether it's through my coaching with him. And just admiring what he does, I think he has everything together that I would love to see that, you know, what he's going to put the pieces together in all in one place. And so I admire that about him tremendously. And another person recently is Aaron Walker, because, you know, Aaron and I have kind of also connected and I watched him and listened to his story and got a little bit more download from him outside of the story. And I admire that. So, you know, those are two people that come to mind right away. Those are great answers. I know both of those folks had them. I've had them on my own personal show. And I absolutely love what Dan has done and what Aaron is doing as well. So excellent answers. And those are great guys. What is the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Kings, I tweeted you out while we were recording this this podcast. So do you like Twitter? Do you like email? What's the best way? Yeah, I love Twitter at, you know, at kingsleygrant.com. But I would just say for them to go to my website of the name Kingsley, K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-N-T.com. And it has all my, you know, my Twitter, my Facebook, and my podcast right there. That's probably the best way to, to connect with me. Thank you. Thanks. And Mr. Kingsley, yes, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? I, with my final thought is this. Don't let your dream go to the graveyard, become a graveyard robber starting today. Well said. All right, Kingsley, we're going to turn it around on you real quick. Uh, the hot seat's been, uh, you've been in the hot seat, but now you get a chance to put Joel and Catalyst John on the spot. Is there anything that you want to ask them and get their opinion on? Catalyst John, I, I really like your spirit and intensity and just your boldness. And I'm wondering, you know, what is it that led you to that place where you have kind of embodied or, and embraced that place of boldness? And I like to see that about you. And I would like some of that to rub off on me. How do I get that? Man, I, uh, I didn't know I was getting any questions today. I think it's... <laughs> I'm just glad you called on him first. And I'm... <laughs> I thought he was going to say the beard. <laughs> yes, respect the That's beard. That's right there. It's all in the beard. I think it's just being really, really hungry and Mm. knowing that if you put your mind to it, that you can do amazing things. And there's a movie that I think really resonates with me called Gattaca. And in it, 
this guy, he just keeps pushing past the boundaries that society has put on him. And he just never saves it. What he, the line for the movie is, I, I never save anything for the swim back. He just is always pursuing something and he's just going so he's always his mind is always focused on, on moving forward. And I, I think I'm very similar to that. I know there's so many things I want out there and I try to be very future minded. And so and as an ex-cop, I think the other way to answer that, too, is I love the pursuit, man. I love it. I love the two pieces. I love the pursuit and hungry. I think that's really captures the, the answer to my question. I appreciate that so much. Joel. Sure. You are amazing. I mean, I've watched you from a distance and we've never met. I know I've seen you at close at the podcast movement, but we never, you know, kind of actually join and cross path. Which we, we're, we're my bodyguard holding you back pretty good. Yeah. Your bodyguard was wouldn't allow him to get close to you, you know? So yeah, I'm sorry about that. Kid. Yeah, no. <laughs> next time, next time. And Jerry was too busy, and, and John was like, I couldn't find him at the time to bring his boldness <laughs> into play. So here's my question to you. You have this calmness. I mean, you kind of seem to be the epitome of calmness under pressure. You kind of, you know, the, the house, the move, the new home, the new table, your dog going through what, you know, is gone through. Where do you get that, I would say, inner strength, or where does the calmness come from? You know, I would love to be able to remain calm sometimes like you. I see you do. yeah. Let's see here. Well, I wasn't expecting questions either, but I'll do my absolute best. I think that's just something that I learned how to do. When you get to know me better, and you will, um, hopefully we'll bump into each other at an upcoming event, uh, maybe podcast movement, maybe something else. But when, when you get to know me better, and Jared could attest to this, I'm a pretty intense guy, and I, I'm an action taker. So I'm, I'm a, I'm, it's all about the hustle with me, which kind of dovetails into what Catalyst John said, but I have a lot of faith and I have a lot of faith in, I do the best that I can do in most situations. I'm not a superhero, I'm human too, but I do the absolute best that I can do. And then I I just kind of let things take their course. Now I I want it yesterday, just like most entrepreneurs that are listening to this show, but I, I also understand that there is a time and a season for different things to unfold. Doesn't necessarily mean I have to like it, but mm. that's generally the way things play out. And I've learned, and I'm still learning, that if you keep a cool head, you generally prevail. And cooler heads generally always prevail. So I've had to learn that. Uh, sometimes through, uh, sometimes to my own detriment and, and trial and error, but uh, cool heads usually prevail. It takes practice like anything else. Thank you. I think that comes through and you have, you know, I think it's good to know that there's a other side of the take action in person, but I think you project this image. Jared, I want to ask you, so thank you, Catalyst John and also Joel. So Jared, again, you know, as a friend and someone who is, to me, I see you and I've said to you many times, you are the observer. You are that guy that I think um, Andy uh, wrote the book about the observer. You're that guy and you constantly have an eye. I'm wondering, are you intentional about that or is this part of your personality to notice things, to connect people? Because I find I, I'm not as comfortable or as easy to recognize those moments. And I wonder, what is it that led you to that or has it always been your life? Well, I think the easy answer is, is people need to be checking out KingsleyGrant.com, <laughs> listening to the Relaunch <laughs> podcast <laughs> and having coaching from Catalyst John. But <laughs> assuming you're doing all those things already... No, I, I appreciate you saying that, Kingsley. And for me, it's I've learned that sometimes the best results come from when you're showing people that you care about them and, and the way you can show that you care is you actually notice 
And you kind of hit on that when you're talking about the interpersonal communication is, you know, that active listening. People know that you care about what they're up to if you show sincere interest in that. And so I, I've just learned if that's how you really connect and that's how you build a friend is is by noticing them, uh, making it less about you and the more that you can create opportunities that include other people. Like this podcast is a reasonable example. I mean, it'd be great uh, for me to hoard your time, Kingsley, and and just have you all to myself. And don't get me wrong, I, I think there's a time and a place that I'm probably, I probably should have done that. But to be able to bring in Joel and to bring in Catalyst John and share this experience uh, with them, to me, it's a blessing because uh, not only do we all three get to learn from you, which is cool, but it's also cool to also share with people that are listening to this podcast and say, hey, you know, here's some other people in addition to Kingsley, like Joel and Callis John, that are doing things the right way, that want to help people, that that want to, you know, make a difference, and and to be able to bring that together is kind of a special synergy, and and so it's just, you know, and, and I'm I'm like uh, like we were talking about earlier, it's just trying something new. Not everything works, and so sometimes you just say, hey, let's let's just test this out, and I, I think this was a good episode. What do you guys think? It was incredible. I personally think it was great just to connect with you guys and. Again, just to say, Jared, I'm piggybacking on what you're saying really briefly here. Your humility, I think, comes through, which I believe one of your strengths and one of what this distinguishing factor about you is just humility. And everyone can probably attest, I would say, that people I've spoken to and heard from would say that's one thing that's true about you, which I think is great in doing this, for example, bringing Catalyst John, myself, and Joel together. You know what? And just joining with you, I think, to me, it's been a great experience. So thank you and uh, to be able to share in this experience with you and Joel and Catalyst John. Can I jump in there real quick, Jared? Well, first of all, my biggest takeaway, uh, Joel, is if you want to feel better about yourself and your life, have Kingsley on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Great guest. <laughs> He'll talk you up, man. <laughs> I guess so. Well, we're all going to see a spike in our ratings later today. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. You know, I, I wrote a blog this morning and I called it Podcasting is the New Networking. And that is exactly what is happening. Right now, you know, you, you have an idea for a podcast and you have a guest and then you think, you know, who else needs to participate with me in this conversation? And boom, you, you call a couple of people, you, you text or email a couple of your friends. I thank you. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have been one of them today. And um, all of a sudden, your circle grows. Your sphere of influence grows. You have more friends, more connections, more listeners, and it, it just all works together. So I love the podcasting medium, and I love what you're doing with Star of the Doubts. Jared, an awesome episode. Thanks for including me. All right. Uh, I don't think uh, Catalyst John or either, any of us left uh, left anything for the swim back. Would you say that's true, Catalyst John? Yeah. I do want to mention this. I love how Kingsley talks. And, I mean, Jared, this is a great group to gather, I think, because, I mean, all of you all are so awesome at, like, really truly paying attention to the other people and it's not just about you and i think that's one of the greatest things that the audience needs to also hear about kingsley is when you talk to this guy it humbles you and makes you feel like you're at the top of a mountain because he really pays attention and that is something that every single one of us i think really should mimic from him thank you for that appreciate that well gentlemen thank you again of course uh just uh running it down catalyst john over at catalystjohn.com Joel Bodges over at relaunchshow.com and of course our featured guest today, Kingsley Grant at kingsleygrant.com. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank Pleasure. you, Terry. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Catalyst John.
at some point in our journey as an entrepreneur, we're going to mess up. We're going to hurt someone or we're going to hurt ourselves. I must be able to reconcile with those individuals and self to be able to continue on my journey. Because we just talk about the very same thing about the phrase, I was wrong, I'm sorry, please forgive me. That's reconciliation. So I reconcile with others and self and understand making a mistake is not fatal. It's staying with a mistake that's fatal. 